Hello, and welcome to episode five of the Digital Theory Podcast. This is the show where three regular dudes talk about video games and assorted geekery. My name is Ryan, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Micah and Mark. What's up? How's it going? Welcome, guys. Welcome back. Yes, sir. Good to be here. Absolutely. So I guess we'll start out with the uh, usual. Uh, start off with a news topic. Uh, anybody want to start us off? Uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and uh, take off. And uh, I, I will pre- preface this by saying I know I've talked a lot about this game since literally episode one. I promise I won't talk about it next week. Okay. But I feel validated and vindicated uh, that Ghost of Tsushima won the Player's Choice Award at the Game Awards this year. Oh, uh, did it actually win it? Yeah. The tallying came in uh, this afternoon, and Ghost of Tsushima took it. Um, there were some really good games it was up against. Uh, all of them could have easily taken it away. Um, but you guys know how much I love this game. So uh, seeing that it won was, uh, was vindicating for me uh, as much as I've been kind of talking it up. So I had heard that there was a good chance that this game would win it. And I agree with you. There were some other ones that were close to it. But did they give any details about it? Because uh, this is the first time hearing of it. Um, I think the only thing I, I know for sure is that um, Ghost of Tsushima took number one. I believe The Last of Us Part Two was in second, um, followed by Hades and then Doom Eternal and then... Um, Spider-Man Miles Morales came up came up in the fifth place. Wow. Yeah. So pretty solid list. Yeah, really solid list. Uh, I was a little disappointed that my close second of uh, at least this year kind of got bumped off the list uh, early, uh, but that was the uh, Final Fantasy VII remake. I think it it absolutely deserved to be on there, and and it it lasted for a couple rounds, but it didn't make that final final round, but. Yeah, all of these games were excellent. Wow. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about that game since we're on the topic. But um, I know I don't think Mark's played it, and I haven't played it. But it's got rave reviews. What do you think the future is for that series since they've now won this award? Um, I think hopefully we're going to get a sequel out of it. Um, just with my uh, teacher hat on for a second. Uh, the history around the game opens itself up for a sequel. Um, the first game, or the this game, is about the first Mongol invasion of Japan, and there were two notable invasions in history. So there's always that second one uh, that they can tap into. Um, but also, just the the uh, the IP itself uh, doesn't have to be necessarily the same character. Um, but I think the style of gameplay, uh, kind of the fact that it's it's super uh, stylistically uh, Japanese. Um, it's a samurai game that there's just not a lot of those that are made uh, that are that are of this quality. Uh, I think I think definitely we'll see a future um, a future game in the series. I agree with you. I think uh, yeah. I think we kind of all wondered if there'd be a second one, and kind of were leaning towards the fact that there probably would be, but. Now with the awards, the only thing, only concern I have is, can it live up to the first one? I obviously haven't played it, so I don't know. Yeah, you know the 
the amount of difficulty that would take, but it sounds like it would be very difficult to do. Yeah, I think, uh, well, you know, the one good thing that a sequel might have for it is that the first game, um, the story itself is probably the weak, weak point of the game. Um, it, it's not a bad story. I don't, I don't want anyone to think I'm, I'm bashing it uh, by any means, but it's really the, the gameplay that's fantastic. Um, the, uh, the combat is simple to pick up, but it's deep enough that you can, you can get really, really good at it. Um, and the aesthetic and, and just the design of the game is, is, is beautiful. Uh, it's like a uh, kind of playing in a, a living a Japanese wood carving uh, of like the medieval era. So uh, it's, I think if they can, if they can copy the aesthetic and the gameplay or make some improvements on that, I think a second one could live up to it. Um, like I said, the, the narrative is, is kind of just there to give you a reason to be wandering around the island. Right. How does the, uh, how does the combat compare to something like an Assassin's Creed that we're playing recently? Uh, it is, it's difficult. It's similar, but different. It's similar in that there's, you know, a light and heavy attack. Um, but different in that the uh, in Ghost of Tsushima, there are different stances that you can unlock. And depending on what stance you're in uh, of combat, you are more or less effective against types of enemies. Um, for example, there's a stance that helps you take down the brute enemies, which are these big, super strong guys. It helps you break their guard quicker. Um, there's a stance to help you take down shielded enemies. Um, a stance that you can use to fight uh, spear-wielding enemies, and then a stance that you can use to fight uh, regular sword-wielding enemies. So um, it, it's kind of simple, and it's a light ha light attack, heavy attack, parry system and, and dodge, but deep, in, deep enough that you can switch up stances and use uh, ninja tools um, to kind of tackle any situation that you come across. Gotcha. Do you... Do you start with all the stances, or is that something you have to learn? Like, do you do you kind of have to build yourself up in that sense, or? Yeah, you uh, you don't start with all of them. You start with the the basic stance, um, which is the one that you use against, uh, just like your regular sword wielding enemies. Um, and as the game progresses, there's a couple ways that you can unlock the additional stances. Um, but it feels very organic. Uh, they unlock as the game becomes more and more complex and throws different types of enemies at you. Uh, so it feels like it feels like a good progression, right? So you start off pretty basic, but they're just throwing basic enemies at you. Um, so you're just, uh, yeah, before you get like you said, there's like a stance for like the heavy or the like guys with the spears and what little bit I've played of the of the game, the guys with the spears ones that like completely wrecked me. Like yeah. Did you have? Did you think that's something that you struggled with, or do you think like do you think the game would still work if like you stuck with one stance the whole game? Or I think you can get, I think you can get good enough at the combat that you could stick with one stance and and uh, and be okay uh, near the end of the game. Um, just from playing it for hours, uh, I got good enough that I only really switched stances if I wanted to. Um, just get a, a fight over quicker. 
Um, but you can you can defeat any enemy with with any stance. The stances just kind of make things easier, um, but they also give like a a layer of tactics. So you can use a stance to cut down on the most dangerous enemy first, and then deal with the other ones later. Um, and that's just if you're going with a combat playstyle. There's a whole other playstyle you can use that relies on stealth. So um, yeah, it's it's complex enough and uh, that you can you feel like you get some meat out of it but um, not, not too complex that you just get spanked continuously if you, if you only use one stance. Um, if you guys don't have any more questions about Ghost of Tsushima, I do have one more uh, news story uh, that I'd like to uh, kind of bring to your attention. Um, yeah. And that is the uh, studio head of Santa Monica Studios, Corey uh, Barlog, kind of got everyone's hope up, uh, hopes up on the internet. Uh, this week um, with a tweet uh, that he sent out following the latest Mandalorian episode. Okay. Um, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I don't know if, if you guys are as big of a Star Wars fan as, as I am, uh, but his tweet kind of set off my imagination. So I'm just going to read it to you. Okay. So uh, Corey Barlog tweets, if someone isn't working on a great single-player Mandalorian game where you play a bounty hunter flying your ship from system to system, picking up bounties, upgrading your Beskar armor, and getting into adventures, then I don't really know what the hell we're doing. Okay? That, to me, is a dream Star Wars game. Uh, oh, yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think he's planning on working on it. Uh, obviously, he's got the new God of War coming down the pipeline. Um, but I think he single-handedly got every Star Wars nerd's uh, hopes up with that tweet. You know, I, I saw that tweet too, and yeah, definitely. Like, I, me and I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And I've got the Millennium Falcon tattooed on me. Um, nice. But yeah, I've I've said it for years and years and years. All they need to do is just give us a get us open world Star Wars game where you can fly your. There's actual space flight, you know. I know we got that uh, old Republic MMO, but uh, you know a lot of cool stuff was in it. But I felt like it was lacking in a lot of stuff. Just give us like a single player experience, you know, that makes us feel as uh, immersed in the Star Wars world as Mandalorian does. The you know obviously their movies, Clone Wars. Like, I mean, it, it, it's to me it's a no brainer. I mean, they'd make their money back almost instantly because I, I think even people who aren't Star Wars fans would be interested in it absolutely you guys are gonna you guys are gonna kill me but i'm not a star wars guy hey man that's okay we can all be wrong (laughs) it's all right yep yep and that's fine um but i will say this i did play the free star wars game on ps4 what was it was it battlefront mark was that the free one uh yeah Uh, i think the second one was free yeah and that was actually a pretty fun game, considering that I don't even know what it is. You know what I mean? Right. It was still a great game. Yeah. Right. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the reply, uh, but there was a, a another game dev that replied to his tweet who was working on the ill-fated Star Wars 1313 <laughs> and uh, posted a kind of a piece of concept art and was like, this still hurts. And I was thinking to myself, yes, it does. Uh, this hurts yeah, bad. Th- 1313 was the first game I thought of, uh, not only when I read the tweet, but when you just brought it up. I, I still remember 
seeing the trailer, the uh, yeah. I guess it was at um. Oh, what is the big gaming convention that they have? E3. I, I literally just blanked. E3. Uh, um, whatever it is. Uh, I remember when they announced thirteen thirteen, and me and my buddy were like, "Oh my gosh, so this is what we've been waiting for!" And then it got axed. Yeah. Yeah, and you know the the fact that you're going to play as a Boba Fett picking up bounties. Um, yeah, that it would have been great. Well, since we're on that subject of, you know, movies that have kind of turned open world games, has you guys seen the new um, Harry Potter game that's coming out for next gen? Yes, it looks fantastic. I know. Yeah. I, just being able to like have that open world concept in the Harry Potter. I mean, that's great. Yeah, I uh, I grew up playing, you know, the Harry Potter games that followed the movies. Um I think it was Order of the Phoenix was my, I think Order of the Phoenix was my favorite, but uh, yeah, I think it's just super cool that it's not even going to be set, you know, in around Harry Potter. I mean, it's like, I think like a hundred years or something before Harry Potter. I I think that's just so cool. And we'll actually get to see like, you know, kind of feel like we're having our own story in the wizard world. Yeah. And it's so decision-based. That's what I think is really neat about it too. you get to control everything. Like Harry Potter fans are finally getting their game. When when are the Star Wars fans going to get their game? Maybe soon. Yeah, I'm. I will say that uh, Fallen Order was really good, um, but just it wasn't open world. So I need that. I need that uh, that itch scratched for sure. Yeah, same. I think. Uh, I've definitely been keeping my eye on the Harry Potter game for that exact reason. Is like, you know, for if we haven't seen a Star Wars game by now, you know, and we don't know if we'll see one anytime soon, at least, you know, Hog- Hogwarts and that whole world is just perfect. I mean, you got like Diagon Alley and Gringotts. Right. And uh, you, you guys know that I, I'm a huge sucker for RPGs. So the fact that you can design your own character build out your own skill sets and, and uh, spells that you know and other abilities that you have. It's uh, kind of right up my alley. Same, same. Have yeah, they said, think, like... Oh, I, was sorry, say, I, I say, I think it's release date is 2021, but I think they're pretty vague about it. Yeah, I'm not... Honestly, I, with everything going on and um, still the shortage of next-gen consoles, I, I don't have very much confidence in any next-gen game that says it's going to release in 2021. Not to be the downer, but uh, I just have a feeling that if they are released in 2021, it's going to be much later than they originally anticipate. Yeah. We're already seeing delays on about everything that's being released. I mean, it's just the the time we live in. Yep. Yeah. I will say. Anyway, on that note, I did see that GameStop uh, is in the headlines again for closing more stores. Um, Oh, boy. Yeah, it says the article says GameStop has closed nearly 500 stores this year, and that means a total of 800 stores in the last two years, and it's planning to close hundreds more before April. That is rough. Wow, that's, that's a lot rough. of stores and not a lot of time. Yes. Yeah, and you know, I, I hate I hate to see that because uh, that means you know people are losing jobs, and that's just not not a good thing. But uh, one of the things that really um, 
is stark about that and, and something maybe to think uh, think about before engaging in this practice with GameStop. But if your store closes uh, and you don't go and get any of your pre-orders out, you basically lose that money. Um, I know that stores don't necessarily transfer pre-orders to other stores. Uh, so let's say you pre-ordered a, a console and your score your store closes, you've kind of lost that. Yeah, that's terrible. So you know, from a consumer side, it's bad too. Uh, yeah, it's just not not good news at all. Yeah, unfortunately for GameStop, I mean that business model is just it's tough. Yeah, with everything going digital now. Right. The only uh, way I never thought. Yeah, I was gonna say the only way I see them making it is somehow they find a way to. It's I don't know. They have to sell games for less and pay you know pay more for games and that doesn't help profitability in any way right yeah i i never thought that we'd see digital games become this common because uh, i was always one that really liked physical media i think we've talked about this before but even now i'm on the digital train you know i just it's so easy to just buy it and download it rather than you know actually go out and, and try to find a disc copy yeah, we did. We have touched on it, and the problem now is there's just so many digital licenses. Even if you buy a disc, right? You know what I mean. Like you put the disc in, and you've got a 50 gigabyte update day one anyway. Right. Right. I mean, we're going to see one with Cyberpunk. I think their day one patch is 28 gigs. Yeah, I thought they were going to have two patches, weren't they? Yeah, I think one of them is 28. I haven't been following the news. I had a kind of a busy day at work, but I know that. Uh, at least one of the patches is is 28 gigs, which is not small. Wow. Well, we're close to Cyberpunk release. Uh, oh, yes. Micah, I know you've got it preloaded. Oh, yes. It is currently waiting. Uh, unfortunately, I won't be able to jump on it tonight. I have some uh, responsibilities to take care of tomorrow. We are unfortunately down two people in our department uh, due to quarantine, so... Uh, everybody's going to be pulling a little extra duty. And uh, so I'll, I'll be playing it tomorrow evening when I get home. Uh, so I'm going to try to avoid spoilers, but I'm, I'm giddy with anticipation. I just saw one of my Steam friends popped up. It's playing it. It's like, yeah, so lucky. It just unlocked for Steam, uh, GOG, and the Epic Game Store. Um, I know that I could have played it early on Xbox. People have found a trick that if you change your region and it changes the time zone, you can unlock it early. But um, it's that's too much work. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> so, Mark, what are your plans for Cyberpunk? Are you purchasing now, later? Uh, I'll probably purchase later. I mean, you know, my with my Series X still acting up, I'm sp- I'm going to try and send it off this week. So, you know, I'll probably get through the holidays. Uh, so. You know, kind of sucks because I won't be able to like talk about it or anything. But uh, you know, I just I don't ha- I don't have a PC that would run it, and you know, I just don't have a way to do it. So I'm, unfortunately, I kind of have to wait. So what's going on with the Xbox? I know the last yeah. time, whenever you we had the discussion, you said it was hard crashing. So what's the what's the update on that? Yeah, this is the first I'm hearing that you're ever having to actually send it off. Well, it's still doing the hard crashing. Um, and you know, well, I read that one dude uh it kept hard crashing on him and 
he would turn it back on. It was working fine, but it just kept hard crashing. Then one time it just stopped turning on. Um, I just don't want to take the chance of that happening to me. So I was looked. I looked more into it, and people like on Microsoft's website were saying that when it was happening to them, uh, they called Microsoft, sent it in, and I don't know if they were repairing that console that they're getting sent, or if they're sending new consoles back to these people or what. But um, I figured, you know, that's going to be my best bet is just, you know, seeing if it gets taken care of and get one back. I mean, one guy said that. You know, he sent it in like a couple of weeks ago and got it back in a couple of days. Okay, but, that's not too bad. Yeah, so I hope that won't be without it too long and can get back to playing some stuff, but I'll probably still wait on Cyberpunk and just you know, play some things like, you know, play more things I haven't been able to play because I haven't been able to play the Xbox at all. Right. Wow, that really stinks to get the new new release and it start giving you some problems like that. Yeah, if it makes you feel any better, Mark, at all, when I picked up my PS4, uh, I picked it up within a month of launch. Uh, when it came out, I had to send it off to Sony within the first week because of a disc tray error. So these things happen. Yeah, you know, I figured, you know, I was pretty frustrated and, uh, you know, was telling myself I should have went with the PS5. But yeah, yeah, like you said, you know, it, and like we talked about, uh, Last week, you know, it's just one of those things. It's new consoles. It's going to have bugs. going to, you know, it's to be expected. So, you know, I guess I really have no one else to blame but myself for buying it so early into it. So, you know, I'm not not too beat up over it or too upset. Just, you know, one of those things is like, well, it kind of impedes getting to play these new games. But other than that, I'll play them when I get to play them. Hitman 3, with the DualSense controller, they've released what kind of support it will have. I'll just go ahead and read it to you guys so you can understand. I think it's pretty neat. So basically it says, all of the guns in the game will support adaptive triggers and you'll feel an authentic sensation with each shot you fire. Automatic weapons will also simulate recoil with every bullet and they're implementing unique haptic feedback for each weapon. So That's it has a distinct sick. sound profile and feel. It says, wow. There's one line that I thought was pretty cool. Here we go. One example of the trigger support is how you activate the focus effect that slows down the world around you with a sniper rifle. When you gently squeeze the R2 button, your finger will reach a tension point that will resist your pressure. You'll need to hold your finger against that tension point to activate the focus. When you're ready to fire, push past the tension point and you feel the click of the trigger as you fire the weapon. That's pretty cool. That's legit. I mean, that's legit marksmanship. You yeah. know, like that's that's how you actually fire a rifle. So uh, that's cool. Yeah, what I've learned with this adaptive triggers, I've been playing Call of Duty a little bit, and the adaptive triggers are really neat because you can, you know, it, it does have like the kickback and everything for from a weapon, but I feel like it may delay me a little bit when I'm playing multiplayer. Mm-hmm. So like, you know that when you're playing online multiplayer in Call of Duty, it's all about speed, and you know, I feel like if you have the PS5, you kind of have a little bit of a disadvantage because it's giving you that feel. Whereas, like on PC or Xbox, you're just pulling the trigger. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, you can turn it off, which we may have. I think we may have mentioned this before, but the more I play, the more I realize that. So in single player mode, it's fantastic because you get the experience. Right. Multiplayer, it's still really neat, but maybe a little bit of a disadvantage 
Right. Interesting. I, I will say that the more I hear about the uh, dual sense and the haptics and the adaptive, adaptive tr triggers, the less I think of it as a gimmick and the more it sounds like kind of the next thing, the next step for controllers. Um, it, it just seems to, I, I, and obviously I haven't experienced it myself, but it seems to add so much to the experience that I don't know if we'll see them go away. I, I feel like they didn't really market it very well. I feel like they just kind of released it and kind of mentioned haptic feedback, mm -hmm. but it's turned out to be a lot more than they thought. I think that's a, I think that's just a classic Mark Cerny understatement. I think he just, he's a brilliant guy, but he's not, he's not a great marketer. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting to see how more games in the future are going to use this technology. Yeah, that is cool. I, that makes me excited for uh, when I ultimately do pick up my PS5, whenever that's going to be, um, to experience the, the controller. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, so it looks like the release date for this game is January the 20th. So that's pretty soon. Wow, that's, yeah, that's not far at all. And it looks, I'm just kind of looking at the screenshots here. It looks pretty good. Yeah, the first and second of this new trilogy uh, have been fantastic. So, um, and I think it's going to look even better on the, uh, the new gen consoles that come out. I agree with you. That's all the news I've got. If anybody does, you guys have anything else? I don't. No, I am. I am tapped out on news. Well, what have you guys been playing? Mark, go for it. All right. Well, <clears throat> last week I was talking about playing the Switch. Um, this week I went and played some PC. A um, couple of friends and, and I. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of the game Phasmophobia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we picked that up. Dude, intense. Like, That's what I've heard. Yeah, like I I love horror, you know, I love scary movies, scary games, you know, so pretty much anything like that I'm into. But uh, a lot of the games I feel like are kind of gimmicky, uh, you know, don't really, you know, scare me, so to speak. But this one, this one uh, is definitely scary. <laughs> I mean, like so much so like me and the two guys I've been playing with, uh, we, you know, the the whole point of the game is like you're like a ghost hunter um and like if you're wearing one of the one of the equipment or one of the pieces of equipment you have is a spirit box and it basically runs through different frequencies mm -hmm. and you can uh talk in game and ask the ghost questions and it'll respond to like what you actually ask it um and so like <laughs> if you're sweet. like if you're like yelling at the ghost like one of the things that uh it always says in the beginning of like the missions is like it'll tell you their name, and uh, I guess ghosts don't like you to use their name because every ghost gets angry. So like, there was one ghost I can't remember his name. It was like Daniel Johnson, and uh, some ghosts will interact with everyone in a group, but some ghosts will only talk like interact with you if you're in the house alone. And the whole point of the game is to discover what kind of ghost you're dealing with. So you know, it might be a spirit, it might be a phantom, it might be a demon. Um, so we were in a house and, uh, this was one that wanted to deal with you alone. So me and another buddy went back to the, you know, the headquarter, the truck, whatever. And we were looking through the CCTVs that you can kind of set up and watch, you know, see if you get any activity. 
and the other guy that was in the house started, you know, calling calling out to Daniel Johnson and was like trash talking him and talking smack <laughs> about Daniel Johnson. But all of a sudden, the freaking car alarm in the garage starts going off. The lights start flickering around the house, and my uh, my buddy's like running to the front door, and it slams, and there's just like a figure standing there, and it killed him. <laughs> Dang! So that's yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty intense. Like it's only like fourteen bucks too. I mean, like I mean it's definitely it I would pay more for for it than just fourteen. I mean, it's so fun. Yeah. I'm looking it up now. It's it's got a ten out of ten on Steam. It deserves it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a huge horror nut too. Like I love horror. It's it doesn't matter what time of the year it is, it's Christmas, so I'm watching horror movies, right? So yep. um yeah, I, I can't wait. I haven't I haven't tried it out myself um but uh i do plan on picking it up over the holiday uh i know steam usually has a pretty decent holiday sale going on um not that you know 14.99 isn't cheap enough but I'm, I'm i'm a poor teacher so i have to i have to find sales when i can so um looking at that one uh, but what it reminds me of or i don't know if you guys remember this this has been this has been years ago now, probably six years ago. Do you guys remember uh, there was a game, I believe it was called Nevermore, that was on Kickstarter that was going to monitor a heart rate that it sent to you, and as the game like detected your heart rate would increase, it would make it scarier? That sounds familiar. I've not heard of that, called, but that sounds pretty, pretty intense. It's called Nevermind. Excuse me, Nevermind. But yeah, it would measure your heart rate, and as you're getting more and more uh, uh, frightened of the game, it made the game literally harder. Uh, like it would throw more scares at you, make your control uh, controls not as responsive. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm super interested in the the evolution of horror games. See, uh, Phasmophobia has something kind of like like that system, like. You have a uh, sanity, and you can mm-hmm. see all this in like the truck. And like basically, as your sanity goes down from the ghost hunting you, or like you know hearing a bump in the house, or hearing it call to you, as your sanity goes down, it the spirit gets more intense. So like you know you don't want to be in there with like three percent sanity, or else you know you're probably not making it out. Right. But yeah, great game. Highly recommend it. And That's yeah, cool. just I can't say enough about it. Phasmophobia. I love that yeah. it's so affordable. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, what else you been playing, Mark? Anything else? Yeah, uh, have you guys heard of the game uh, Raft? I have I've heard not. of this one. It looks very interesting. So I'm curious. I might have a lot of questions. I'm curious about this game. Tell us about it. So basically, the the gist of this game is you're you you start on a raft. Um, and to be honest with you, I don't know how big the starting raft is. Uh, a buddy of mine actually gifted it to me as like a, I guess, an early Christmas present so we could play together. So I joined in on him after he had already made some of the raft. But basically, the point of the game is you're you and uh, if you're playing with somebody else, you and your buddies are on a raft in the middle of the ocean, and basically you have to co- collect all the salvage that's floating all all around the ocean, um, and make your raft as big as you can. Um, all the while managing, you know, hunger and thirst. Um, there's a, a shark that kind of hunts you down. So if like, you know, you'll be, uh, floating through 
the ocean and all of a sudden like the shark will like grab a piece of your raft and break it off or if you fall in the water the shark will you know attack you and stuff um but you know you'll find like islands like every once in a while you'll float by an island you can uh if you have the resources to get your raft over there you can dock or you can anchor down and um kind of you know find extra stuff like you know you might find like blueprints or recipes for new types of food uh it's a lot of fun so far i haven't played that one as much as phasmophobia but uh it's definitely an interesting take on you know the typical kind of survival game so my the biggest question i have is there it looks like there's two different versions so like multiplayer versus like story mode is there is that is that correct um or is it just like a one continuous thing where people can hop in I'm pre- I think it's one continuous thing where people can hop in. I haven't started my own world yet. I was just I just joined on my buddy and have been we've been playing his world together. Uh, but you have a journal and I kind of found it my mistake, but when you open it it says something about like you have like a note from your sister or something and um it's like some survival tips and everything and then like uh it says something about like uh, chapter one or something. So I don't know if you're just supposed to like figure out the story as you go along or if, um, if something triggers it. So I, I don't know about that yet. We've just kind of been floating around and building the raft up, but well, the, I'll let you the, know. Yeah. The images I've seen online is these rafts get pretty elaborate and I'm just kind of curious. How do you find this stuff in the middle of the ocean? I mean, do you, get, do you get to explore other places? Do you meet other people? I mean, that's kind of my main questions. So we haven't seen other uh, humans, like NPCs, and I, I guess our game is like a private game, so I don't think that there's other players floating out there. Um, but literally, like, you'll, you're standing on your raft and, like, planks of wood are floating by you or palm trees or plastic or barrels will be floating by you and barrels have, like, you, you could have, like, scrap uh you know have a bunch of resources in them um basically from there you kind of combine these things um to like you know you might build a water purification center and a cup and you can like take this cup and fill it up with water and purify the water by boiling it and then you have something to drink and you know if you find enough wood you can build like crop plots and like boxes with soil in them and if uh, you know, you find a barrel or something, or you go on an island and find pineapples or whatever. You can take some seeds back, and you can be growing stuff on your raft. So, you, you know, that meets your food, and you can fish, or you can hunt seagulls down. Um, so it's kind of all, you know, accessible via the raft. Interesting. You'll have to keep us updated on this one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it sounds pretty neat. Yeah, it's pretty fun so far. I think we've only played like a couple of hours, but it's definitely been um, a lot of fun. But that's all I've played this week. What about you guys? I've uh, played a few, um, well, not necessarily new games, but uh, only one of them was new for me, but I've kind of revisited some some favorite games of the past. But... um, the most recent one and the most newest game I've played is uh, Control. Have you guys heard of Control? 
I've heard a very little bit about it. Okay. Um, it is way better than I assumed it was going to be. Um, I, I'm usually not a huge fan of uh, third-person uh, shooter-type games, um, but it's it's way more than that. So it is it ticks all the boxes for me. Like it's a, a sci-fi setting. It kind of feels like you're playing an episode of X-Files. Um, there is this mysterious government agency that you're investigating. There's uh, like uh, evidence and, and files that you'll find that, that kind of connect this game world into like conspiracy theories. Um, yeah, it's, it's really cool. Uh, I highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, what I what I had heard about it was, you know, generally pretty good. Um, was it strictly story based? Yeah, uh, from what I can tell, I've only played probably about four hours, maybe, of it. Um, but yeah, it it seems like it's a very uh, heavily uh, narrative driven game. Um, but the story is really interesting. Uh, it's not laid out for you at the beginning. You're kind of slowly discovering it through finding documents that you can read, uh, talking to other characters that you find inside the building, uh, finding these like newsreels that are um, kind of made as like training videos or announcement videos for the organization, but it's almost like done in a 1950s newsreel style. Um, it's, it's pretty neat. That sounds really cool. I love, you know, I love history and I love, you know, stuff like that so it just sounds like a good a good marriage of things yeah and so far the game play isn't incredibly difficult um i mean there is some challenge there but you know if you're if you're used to playing third person shooters at all it doesn't seem to be incredibly hard uh, at least right now but uh if it's something if if it's if it's anything, uh, any itch that it scratched for me was just that that narrative-driven gameplay. Uh, the story seems really cool. Uh, there's enough weird stuff going on that you, you kind of want to keep playing to find out more about it. Um, I, I kind of want to be vague because it's not it's not that old of a game, so I don't want to you know talk spoilers. But um, I know for a fact that I almost would have hated myself over. Uh, the Thanksgiving break because this game was on sale um, on the Thanksgiving sale, but literally like two days after it went on to uh, Xbox game pass. So oh. yeah, if I just, if I had dropped $40 and then it went free two days later, I really would have, you know, it, that would have hurt. But uh, thankfully I, I didn't pull the trigger on it and I waited and uh, yeah. So you got game pass highly recommend it. So check that one out for sure for sure you know if i ever um, get my xbox back yeah it's <laughs> it's Sorry, fantastic Mark. i know <laughs> um i've also been playing uh, i played a pc game um that well it's a trilogy of games i kick-started the original years ago um but it's the uh, the banner saga uh, i don't know if you guys have played any of those there's three of them uh, currently, um, but it is a, a tactic style game. So, so think of like something along the lines of Final Fantasy Tactics or uh, Fire Emblem or Disgaea, any of those games where you kind of command individual units around a, a grid-based field and it's turn-based. 
Um, but it's it's fantastic. Uh, it's got this 1980s rotoscoped animation style. Uh, all the backgrounds and characters are hand-drawn animation. Um, it's just got a really cool aesthetic look to it. Uh, the gameplay is is simple but challenging, uh, and it's got this kind of alternate Viking uh, story vibe to it about these um, like marauding uh, constructs that come from the depths of the earth, and they're kind of threatening the the population of the world of this game, uh, and you're kind of not even tasked to defeat them because you're not the chosen one. You're basically just tasked to survive, um, which is, uh, you know, it's a nice change of pace. You're not the chosen one who's going to save the, the world. You're just going to have to try and ride it out. So um, pretty neat, pretty neat uh, series. So so is this more of like, so if I'm understanding correctly, it's more like a defensive mindset game. Uh, yeah. Um, it The story changes over the the three games in the trilogy so i don't want to like give too much away but uh you play mostly on the defensive because these enemies are are pretty much um endless and in a way kind of relentless um it's it's you're kind of like playing out the last days of ragnarok and you're just kind of along for the ride but it's it's pretty cool so the the interface itself does it more resemble like a civilization or more like a total war or something like that? Um, no, it's more like a uh, like a chessboard. So you're you oh really? Like, yeah, you have like a map that's a grid, like a grid map, uh, and you can place your units at the beginning wherever you want, and then once it starts, it's like a uh, you know turn based um, between you and the uh, the enemy. Um, and you, you know you have different special specializations in your units. So you have like your melee guys, uh, you have your shield guys who kind of focus on defense. You got your spears who can hit at a, a, a range, so you can put them behind the guys with shields. Uh, you got archers, uh, and then you'll get basically they don't call them spell magic users, but you kind of get some magic users later on. Um, yeah, but kind of a like a small unit tactics game. Okay. I'm glad I asked that. That cleared that up quite a so bit. So I played a little bit. I played a little bit of the first one. In fact, I bought all three of them uh, like a year or so ago. And mm-hmm. I really liked the idea, but I felt like the, I, I don't know, I could never get into it. So is that something you think I should try again and maybe stick to it a little longer to see if it can yeah um i would stick to at least the first one until you get to there's a section where you're defending this bridge um i don't want to say any more than that but uh that's when the the story really kind of kind of comes to its into its own um i think the first game and the original uh original game at, at the beginning it's meant to be really slow and it's meant to kind of build up in you almost like a sense of hopelessness. Like nothing that you do is actually helping the situation. Um, and I know a lot of people, it kind of turned them off. It turned me off originally, but I think that was an intentional design choice that they want to make you feel like you can't do anything to stop it. All right. I'll, I might have to give it another shot. Cause yeah, like you said, like it was just 
you know, usually I try to, I do try to give games, you know, or, you know, really anything. I, I usually enjoy like a slow burn, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know why. I don't know why I couldn't just stick it out with that game. I think, um, I think around that time I also bought like the re the Metro 2333 Redux mm-hmm. and um already playing the original version of that one you know I knew what to expect that so I don't know I guess I just jump jump ship too early but I'll definitely uh I might have to give that one another shot then cuz you know I liked the the elements of the story in fact reading about the stories like you know I didn't read any spoilers but I just kept hearing how good the story was yeah um so I might have to give it another shot then well, like I said, you're—I mean, anyone who's ever played it would understand quitting during that first game because, in, in it, you know, if you've played any of it, you know it feels like you're not doing that, you're not making any progress. Um, and I feel like that's that's kind of a design decision. But for people who um, don't like just commit to finishing that first game, it can be a huge turnoff. Yeah. Uh, and then I have one more game that uh, I've been playing. It's wow, you've a, had some time this week. Hey man, <laughs> I haven't played I haven't played any of them really long, but I had an itch to go back to this game in particular. This is an older game. Uh, this is an original Xbox game, um, but it is a Bioware RPG called Jade Empire. Uh, I don't know if you guys have played this. It it was big on the original Xbox, but it's kind of just faded into gaming history. No, I'm not very familiar with this one. Okay. So, uh, it's a classic, I guess you can call it classic Bioware RPG now, even though it was just on the original Xbox, but you're basically playing inside of a, uh, Wuxia movie, like a Chinese Kung Fu movie. Um, it's a basically martial arts RPG. Um, set in this fantasy world uh, based on from best what I can best tell uh, like Chinese martial art movies um, so you you create your own character you can choose your fighting style and uh, you have like these styles that that uh, harness the power of chi and they empower your strikes you can heal yourself you can uh, harness like uh, there's a style called the thousand cuts where you're your hands basically turn into like blades. Uh, there's a leaping tiger, which you kind of jump around the battlefield and you're really mobile. Um, but yeah, if you're into like martial art movies, like old B crappy martial art movies, um, this is a, a fantastic uh, RPG. And this and the story uh, and the characters are, you know, Bioware when they were at the top of their form. So uh, I, again, highly recommend this game. So what made you stumble upon this game now? Just curious. Uh, I I bought this game, oh my gosh, it's probably almost a decade ago uh, on Xbox um, Marketplace when they were starting to release some of the original Xbox games onto uh, 360 as a digital download. Mm-hmm. Um, I owned it on the disc on the original Xbox. Um, but... Somehow I either lost that disc or I traded it in or sold it or, or something. So I always regretted that because it's one of those games that I just love to go and revisit every few, few years. So when I saw it available for download, I picked it up. Uh, and and thankfully, because of Xboxes, if you're going to say anything about Microsoft, you got to talk about how 
fantastic their backwards compatibility is. Really. Oh yeah. Um, and and thankfully for them that it's been it's backwards compatible currently, and I think they're still planning on making this backwards compatible on the on the uh, Series X as well. Um, so I just picked it up, kept it downloaded, and uh, um, just go back to it every few years. It's it's just one of those nostalgic games that uh, I still get a really uh, really big kick out of. Pun in, pun intended. <laughs> Yeah, I'm the same way with um, Fable too. I mm-hmm. I still have my Xbox hooked up, and I go back and hop in that every so often. That's just, that's one of my favorite games on the Xbox that I've played. For sure, I I have that one downloaded right now from uh, Game Pass. I uh, before I ever had a 360, my friend down the street had one, and he showed me Fable two. So that was like one of the first games I ever bought on my Xbox love that game yeah it's great the crazy thing is i wasn't a big fan of the first fable but the second fable game was incredible i thought i'll say this the third game was really really good and i won't say it was better than the second one but uh kind of a similar situation not to go too far off topic but uh before i got my 360 my buddy down the street had fable 3 and uh, I made a profile on his Xbox, played through the whole campaign of Fable 3. And the day I beat the game, one of my character's kids wanted a porcelain doll. So having, you know, control of the entire country, I figured I'd I'd go the extra nine and buy the nicest porcelain doll I could find for him. <laughs> so I traveled across Albion, find this doll. I'm walking back, or I travel back to my palace, and I'm walking up the steps. and. My dude falls to the world, infinite fall glitch, no way to no way to fix it at the time. So I never oh. Yep. <laughs> never delivered the gift. Yep, yeah, never delivered the gift and never got to like play anything past, you know, 30 minutes of beating the game. Deal haunts him to this day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like I was like, you know what? I I don't think I've even played Fibble 3 since then. I think I kind of carry a grudge against it because of that. <laughs> Still haunts his son as well. Still <laughs> yeah. waiting on the porcelain doll. Oh, man. <laughs> That's rough. Pour one out <laughs> for poor Peter Molyneux. Uh, we knew ye so short. <laughs> Dude. But yeah, Fable 2, classic. It's good. It's great. Cool. That's the game where you could throw a ball and your dog would get it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I did that for hours. Oh, same, dude. I I think I, I spent so much time in that game. Just like, uh, I don't remember the name of like the main town or like one of the first times you go there, but I, I like spent so much time just, you know, because at the time, you know, I felt like you could literally do anything and everything. Yeah. Buy the property, rent it out. Yeah, it was, man, it was... It was ahead of its time for sure. Yep. Yep. But uh, that's all I've got. Ryan, what have you been playing? Well, I've I've still been playing a little bit more of Poker Club. I figured I'd nice. dive some more into that and see, um, you know, if we find any other issues with it or if it's just a good go to game. And it seems overall to be a good go to game. Awesome. Uh, it's just fun. I mean, there's not, not a lot to it. But the only complaint I have at this point is there's no easy way for you and your friends to be at the same poker table. Right. Uh, I have a friend who's 
download the game and we, we were trying to play around and you can uh, set up a table and then your friend has to just join that table, but you got to hope no one gets in it first. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it would be good if they added some sort of party feature, you know, where you could take this party to a table. Right. Because it, we found ourselves like starting a table, then people would get in and we'd have to back out, go back into a table to try and get in the same one. And it's just kind of a pain. Yeah, it, you would think a game that seems to be almost solely tailored for multiplayer play that they would have that, but you know, I don't know. My, my, maybe it's just a smaller studio. Yeah, and, and maybe it's still to come. Yeah. I, I don't know, but I mean, once you get past that point, it's pretty fun. Uh, it seems to... It doesn't seem like you're... You know, that the... the Computers getting the perfect hand of cards every time. You know, it doesn't seem anything like that. It seems pretty fair. Right. Um, because mainly what you're doing is you're playing against other people online. They will throw some bots in there just to fill up a table. Mm-hmm. But you can turn them off, too, so that's a nice feature. Yeah, that's cool. I always feel like games like that against the AI, you, you kind of do always feel like they're cheating, you know? Um, so it's good that, it's good that they, it doesn't feel like that in this game. Right, and like I said, the benefit is you can turn them off, the boss, right. so you could play against just other people if you want. So, But mainly what I've been doing is I have switched back over to do some sim racing. Uh, I know you guys aren't into that as much, but uh, I have built a legit racing rig, and I enjoy That's cool. it quite a bit. Um, that is cool. You know, I started out with one screen on a desk in a office chair when you'd hit the gas or the brake you'd roll around right so that got old pretty quick but um the next season is getting ready to start for anyone listening that does iRacing so i've been trying to get a little practice in before that uh i'll just go ahead and give you guys some details of what's coming out on the new season I know all it's right. not maybe you'll find it interesting maybe you won't we'll see uh, yeah I, I do find this interesting uh, I, i'm not a huge fan of racing games so i haven't tried it yet but the whole this whole kind of culture around it i i find endlessly interesting well it's very neat because you know they break down the licenses and you know like you get a safety rating based on how safe you race and they kind of put you with people who are similar to you Mm -hmm. so you're not like racing someone who just picked it up or you know i mean so or some maniac who's just running everyone off the road right so (laughs) if you take it serious you get to race with people who generally take it serious right uh, but anyway, they're adding, it looks like, three new tracks. Uh, Long Beach, California. There's one in, uh, let's see, Wisconsin. And then they are adding a rally cross for Charlotte Motor Speedway, which is local for us. So that's pretty Very cool. Very cool. That's really cool. Yep. They also, I've heard about two more that they are possibly adding. I don't know 100% if that's confirmed. Uh, those two would be Brands Hatch, which is in England. Okay. And then Irwindale, which is in California, and it is a jump track, which could be interesting. A jump track? Yeah, so basically you do like a figure eight with a jump. Oh my gosh. So I think that one would just be kind of for uh, you know for fun. Yeah. I'm curious on that one, but But this is a simulator, so it's gonna simulate the physics of you jumping a race car. That's correct. Wow. Yep. They've um they've also added three new series, um, the Delara Formula Car, 
looks like there's a dirt sprint car and then a dirt modified car, which I think would be a lot of fun to race a modified dirt. Yeah, for sure. Get some drifting going on. <laughs> but um, the the physics engineering changes that they've added is there's an arrow cushion now. So when you ride up close to the wall, you can feel the arrow cushion keeping you off of it. Hmm. Okay. Wow. So that's interesting. They're because doing some like detailed programming work. You, well, you know, all these tracks are laser scanned whenever they put that's, them up. That's wild. But yeah, they, you know, they've added, uh, it looks like multiple tire compounds, you know, so how grippy a tire is going to be. Um, so I've just been doing some more practicing, trying to get ready for the new season. For all these updates. And the big news for our racing is that they hired Dale Jr. as like a, I don't know if he's like some sort of executive. I mean, just him being on board gives them legitimacy, really. You know what I mean? Yeah, it shows. I just looked it up. He's an executive director for iRacing now. I think that's so cool, though, because I know he's been uh, a big proponent for them for, you know, way longer than just, you know, when quarantine started. And I know, I think, you know, he's been involved with, like, helping them get some of these tracks in the game. So that's just super, you know, and he, of course, you know, he's, he's like part of the history of NASCAR itself. So that's just a really cool thing. Yeah, I think it's neat that he, you know, he was a race car driver. I know at North Wilkesboro, he actually went and cleaned it up and then had them scan that one. So that way they could get it in the in the simulation. And now he's like part of the company. So that's really neat. Yeah, he, he seems like, I mean, I'm, I don't know the guy, but he seems like a really good dude. Yeah, and what's neat is he actually races too. So, he, he you know, he knows the ins and outs of this. Right. Yeah, at an intimate level. Right, Coming at every, every aspect. Right. You know? Yeah. So maybe one of these days I can get you guys into it. <laughs> we'll see. But that that's pretty much all I've been up to. I haven't sunk a ton of time into it, just getting back into you know, the basics and making sure I'm ready for the next season. Don't want to start out in last place, you know. If you're not first, you're last. <laughs> <laughs> Very true statement. Yeah, man. But that's all I've got. You guys have anything else? I don't uh, think so. I'm good. I, oh, yes. One one quick thing for my other elite dangerous heads out there. Tomorrow on the game uh, at the Game Awards, they're going to announce basically the next big expansion for Elite Dangerous. So uh, tune in for that. I think it's tomorrow, which is December 10th at 4 p.m. Awesome. Well, we can make sure we uh, cover that in the next episode, too. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next uh, patch or expansion or whatever they want to call it. Awesome. Well, guys, I appreciate you joining in again this week. Uh, it's been fun. We'll Absolutely. keep it going every week. Um, I know we've discussed it. I think we're going to release every Friday. Um, so mm -hmm. everybody listening, just look out every Friday. We're going to start releasing on Fridays. and. Also, if you want to snag a, if we're on Patreon now, so feel free to check that out. Send us some messages, and maybe we'll create some bonus content coming your way. Absolutely, love to do it. If you have any uh, constructive criticism, drop us drop us a line there. Um, we'd love to hear it. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Have a good one. 
See you then. Peace.